0: Through chapter 3, verse 15. It is found on page 40 of the Pew Bible. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw, he- saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? he asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he fled the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the father of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Hivites and Jebusites and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them so now go I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and God said I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is it is I who have sent you Say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Have you ever thought you were nearing the end of a journey only to realize that you were really only just getting started? I did. My name is Moses. I thought my journey had started long before, three months, in fact, after I was born. It was a death sentence. All male Hebrew children to be put to death But my birth mother was brave. She hid me. She lived in defiance of the law. She risked her life for mine. My mother was a woman of faith. She believed in me. She believed in my life. She believed that there was a reason for my being here. She placed me in a basket sealed with tar and with pitch and sent me drifting on the waters of the Nile. I wasn't alone, though. My sister, my sister, she followed, she kept watch. My sister saw how Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter, the daughter of the one who had ordered my execution in the first place, Pharaoh's daughter found and adopted me. My sister immediately came to the scene and. Pharaoh's daughter arranged for my mom to nurse me. And so I grew up with my birth mother for a few months until I went to go live and to be raised as a prince, named by my adopted mother, named by Pharaoh's daughter, Moses. For I was drawn up out of the water. I grew up with everything. I grew up with everything. Everything. I was part of the most powerful nation on earth, part of the royal family. I learned about the world. I learned about other nations, the Egyptian gods, Egyptian history. I had the protection of the court, the privilege of royalty. I had it all. But something, something was missing. Something was always not quite right. I I, I always suspected it. I I always wondered. I had this gut feeling, you know. And then I found out. Then I found out I was not who I thought I was. I was a Hebrew and not an Egyptian. You know, you look at suffering. You look at those without. You look at their hard labor differently when you realize they're your people. One day I, I watched a, an Egyptian beat a Hebrew slave, and I don't know, I, something just snapped in me. I could have had him arrested. I, I could have had him public, punished. I was a member of the royal court after all, but when no one was looking, I killed, I, I murdered him in secret. I hit his body, and I just moved on. I just moved on, or so I thought. I, I tried to relate to my community. I, I tried to reach out to my people. I tried to be a peacemaker, but I was rejected. I was betrayed by the very people that I was trying to protect. And the next thing you know, the next thing you know, I'm, I'm trying to escape another death sentence. From another Pharaoh. This time, though, instead of floating on the Nile, I ran into the desert. I ran for my life. I ran away a fugitive. I ran away a man without a name, without a home, without a community. I was 40 years old. I was 40 years old. I had had it all, I had everything. And then, I had nothing. Nothing but the desert. Have you ever had a desert moment in your life? Have you ever had a desert moment in your life that a season, you know, in the wilderness? You failed. You suffered. You lost so much and there's this disappointment There's this shock. You're in shock. There's this disappointment, this barrenness, and it feels like the desert. Well, it felt like the desert, and let me tell you, it was the desert. And in the desert, it's easy to get lost. It's a tempting place to go in order to forget. But given enough time, given enough time, the dryness of the desert has this way of making you thirsty. It kind of forces the roots of our lives to grow deeper, deeper in search of water. Sometimes the desert can be a place to rebuild, to start fresh, and I did. I got adopted into another family by marriage. <laughs> I got a wife, I had children, and in many ways, I, I finally came home as I learned the way of my people, the Hebrews. I became a shepherd. I herded flocks of sheep. I studied and I worked the land. You know, and, and life as a shepherd has a rhythm to it. You know, some people find it monotonous. I found it peaceful. You get up early in the morning, you get up so early in the morning and you count sheep. Counterintuitive, Right. You check the flock for injuries, for sickness. Is every member well to carry on? You prep the sheep that you can care for them through the journey, the day's journey, and then you head out. And as you walk, they graze. And you have to pay attention. You must stay alert. You know, shepherding in many ways is all about awareness. Where's water? Where's the shade? As a shepherd, you have to be ready for anything. Is it safe? Is there danger? You know, and, and, and it's hard. You have to stay alert. You have to be ready for anything. But before you is this unchanging landscape. There's this lack of seasonal variation. And it, and it can lull you, you know? It can lull you into just going through the motions, into this false sense of security. So you have to be vigilant. Many years I learned you have to be vigilant. You have to notice things to stay focused. Changing shadows on the ground as the sun makes its movement through the sky by day. You have to notice things, the birds of prey circling in the distance. You notice, you have to, you have to notice things. The sudden, and it's just so infinitesimal, sudden change in temperature that indicates that there's the presence of water. You have to notice things, you have to pay attention because sometimes you might even see a fire in the desert. It was a bush on fire. It was nothing really all that strange. I mean, fires in the desert are rare, but they do happen. Lightning can strike before a storm. There you go. You have a fire. Sometimes people leave a campsite, and they don't completely put it out, and there's a fire. But this, this was different. It was a bush on fire. It it, it, it was the smell of smoke, okay? There was this look and feel of heat, but there was no burning. There was no, no consumption of the bush. There was no blackening of the branches. And it just, it fascinated me. I didn't know what to make of it. I had to go closer. And as I drew closer, that's when I heard it. That's when I drew closer, that, that's, that's when I heard it. I heard a voice calling my name. Moses. Moses. Here I am. I mean, what else do you say when someone calls your name? Here I am. And then this voice tells me to take off my shoes because I'm standing on holy ground, which kind of makes sense to me since there's this bush in front of me that's burning, but nothing's happening. So far, so good. But then, just like that, Everything changed. This voice said, I am the God of your father Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob. And I freaked out. I hid my face. I was afraid to look anymore. I didn't want to see. Do you know why? It's not what you think. Do you know why I hid my face? Do you know why I didn't want to see anymore? I grew up learning about the Egyptian gods. I grew up learning about the Egyptian gods. For the first 40 years of my life, I believed my uncle was God. When I learned that I wasn't an Egyptian, that I was a Hebrew, I heard whispers of another god. A god of long ago, a god of Joseph. But that's it. Until I met my wife and her family, and they taught me about this other God. They told me about this God who made a covenant with Abraham, a relationship based on promise and protection, provision. And I'll tell you, it sounded like a great story. I believed it. Why not? What else did I have in the desert? And I was sincere. I was sincere in wanting it to all be true. I was sincere in wanting it all to be true, but in believing that such a God might exist, but I had never heard from him. I had never heard from him. In my prayers, in my worship, I never encountered him. And that didn't bother me. That was my experience in Egypt. The gods were always busy. And yet here I was, alone in the desert, hearing this God calling my name. He knew my name. He knew my name. And that scared me to death. Why? Because the last God who called my name, Pharaoh, wanted to kill me. This God knew my name, but did he know who I was? A murderer a fugitive, an orphan, raised an Egyptian but no longer accepted as an Egyptian, born a Hebrew but rejected as a Hebrew. I was on the far side of the desert, decades, lifetimes away from Egypt, and I realized in that moment when I heard this God call my name, I realized in that moment that in running from my past, going somewhere where no one knew my identity, that my anonymity included myself. I didn't know who I was. But this God, this God knew my name. This God said he was the God of my father. Abraham, do you get this? Do you understand what this meant to me? This God said I wasn't an orphan. This God said I was part of the covenant promise. That that relationship was my identity. I don't know if I can express to you how much this changed my life. To that point in my life, I had come to accept that I was an outsider. Years ago, when I had murdered that Egyptian, you know, honestly, I was really trying to kill myself the Egyptian that I had been raised to believe that I was. When I buried that body, I was burying my past. I didn't know how to relate to my own people. And when I tried, they rejected me, so I ran. And you know what? I got used to it. I got used to it. I was an outsider. And like I said, I I came to believe in the God of Abraham. I prayed the prayers. I worshipped. I heard the stories, but I was always distant from them. Being in the desert as the years went by, decades actually, what what did it have all, all to do with me? What did it have to do with me? And now, this voice was declaring that I was a part of the covenant, a part of the promise. I wasn't an outsider. Abraham was my father. And his father, this God, was my father too. I am a child of my father. That was my true identity. You might be wondering, sometimes people ask me, how did I know? How did I know that God was speaking to me? How can I be so sure that I wasn't just delusional in the desert? That happens, you know. How was I able to understand all that was being revealed to me? Covenant, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't my mom. My birth mom sang songs but didn't tell me much. It was keeping me alive. I believed in the gods of Egypt. How did I come to understand? How was I able to recognize? How did I know I wasn't just hearing things in the desert? It was Jethro. I haven't said much about my father-in-law, but it was Jethro. Jethro. He was a priest of Midian. Now, I I know you, you know more of my story, but priests at this point weren't really defined among my people. And Jethro was a priest. He was one who interceded for God. And as a man of God, Jethro taught me. He modeled for me this covenant relationship, what it looks like. Remember, I was a foreigner on the run. I was a foreigner on the run, but Jethro took me in. He took me in, in the most intimate way possible. He invited me to his table. I don't know what's intimate for you, but back in my time, to be invited to someone's table was the most intimate invitation you could receive. He invited me to his table. He modeled for me what covenant, what relationship looks like. But he did more than that. He embraced me. He embraced me as a son. He gave me his daughter in marriage. I know there are some fathers in here, but do you just casually give your daughters in marriage? I was a fugitive, an alien, a foreigner, and he embraced me as a son and gave me his daughter in marriage. He gave me a flock. He gave me land. I guess what I'm trying to say is Jethro became my father. He taught me about the way of the Lord. Showing me the way of the Lord. So that day, I I didn't know it until that moment. But that day when that voice came from the fire, I recognized that voice. I knew it wasn't a delusion. It became clear because Jethro had prepared me for that moment. Without Jethro. I wouldn't have understood the fire in the desert. Covenant has to be taught. Covenant has to be modeled. It can't just be defined. So, who's your Jethro? Who's your Jethro? In whose life are you being a Jethro? You know, in the middle of that life-changing encounter, I still thought that my journey was near an end. I mean, I was 80 years old, okay? I had lived two lifetimes. I had gotten education in Egypt. I had made a living as a shepherd. I had a wife and kids. I had a legacy. And now, as I was literally putting out to pasture, my life was finally full as I completely understood who I was. I wasn't running from my past anymore. I wasn't trying to prove myself. I was a child of the covenant. I was a child of my father. And what better note to retire on than that, right? I believed my journey was at an end. (laughs) But my father, my God, wasn't done talking. I'm sending you to rescue my people. I'm sending you to rescue my people. That's the first time I heard the call that goes beyond the covenant. That's the first time I heard the call that goes beyond the relationship. That's when I first heard the call to be a part of my father's kingdom. That's when I learned. That's the day that I learned that you need to know who you are. You need to know you're not alone. You need to know you belong. You need to know that you're a part of the family, that you're included in the promises. But in understanding that relationship that you have with this God, with your father, you need to recognize you have a responsibility as well, a part to play in his reign, in his kingdom. Oh, I say this now. But back then, I wasn't convinced. I didn't get it at first. Who am I? I have sent you to rescue my people, but who am I? I couldn't let go of my past. Do you understand who's standing before you? I'm a failure. I'm a fugitive. I killed a man. Are you looking at me? I'm 80 years old. Have you heard me speak? I'm not really good with words. I will be with you. I will be with you. You know, at first, I didn't get it. But God has a way of repeating Himself. I will be with you. You know, what God was saying to me, and I didn't get it, is it's not about who I think I am, it's about who God declares me to be. I am His. I thought I knew who I was, but I still had some learning to do because my identity is not about who I think I am. My identity is about who God declares me to be, and I am his. Covenant, (laughs) relationship, identity. It comes first, but covenant always leads to kingdom. That relationship leads to responsibility. I will send you to rescue my people. I still hesitated. I still hesitated. I hemmed and I hawed before my dad. What kid doesn't? I hemmed and I hawed before my dad. I had lots of good reasons. I had responsibilities as a shepherd, as a husband, as a father. Look, I, I finally was getting back on my feet and doing quite well. My life's finally at peace, you know? And this sounds, can we just say, a little dangerous? Look, I left that world behind, right? I left that world behind. I'm not welcome there by either side. This, th- this actually was my thought. This was my best excuse. You know, yes, okay, look, Dad, I, I know who I am, but I have no real power and authority, okay? Okay. I mean, what difference can I make? What am I supposed to do when I, say, when I say and when they ask me about what authority and power I have? What am I supposed to say when they ask who sent me? I had lots of good reasons. But you know something? God always has more. Beyond that repeated encouragement of, go, I'll be with you, the Lord, my father, added his calling card. God gave me his name. I can't repeat it, but let's just say this. I grew up for the first part of my life before a man, Pharaoh, who declared himself to be God in saying that the sun, the moon, and the stars revolved around him. But now I encountered a God who said, I am the beginning and end of all things. In other words, I encountered the God who made the sun the moon and the stars. The God who created time itself. I didn't get it then, but I'm here to tell you now, when I asked what power and authority do I have, when God gave me his name, he gave me his answer. Our power and authority come from who God is. God at work in us and through us. It doesn't come from our own strength and resources. That's why God kept saying, I'll be with you. I kept trying to make excuses. But when you truly understand whose you are, when you truly understand the covenant, when you truly understand the relationship, it starts starts to sink in that you're part of something bigger than yourself. That God's relationship is not just with you, but with all of his people. Responsibility. I had a responsibility. I was just beginning to understand that I had a responsibility. And God was saying to me, my responsibility was to represent him. To represent his kingdom. Me. And you know in that moment when I still was making excuses, do you know in that moment it hit me again? Do you know in that moment... When I realized that I had a responsibility, that God wanted me to represent him, I began to realize in that moment, even as I was making excuses, I began to realize that everything in your life is preparation for that responsibility. Everything in your life is preparation for that responsibility. I suddenly realized it hit me, 80 years old, 80 years old, and it finally hit me. You know, my life being saved, not once but twice, wasn't an accident. You know, it finally occurred to me, it dawned on me, that being raised as an Egyptian, that education I got, that perspective that I had, that unique perspective I had, was for a reason. It suddenly sunk in that spending 40 years in the desert learning how to survive learning how to lead sheep that have a tendency to go astray, learning how to provide protection, food and water is not, was not a waste of time. Everything in your life is preparation for the responsibility that God gives you. The Lord called me. He promised to be with me, but I still had to respond. I still had to go. And go I did eventually but something else something else I learned along the way is this obedience has to come first maybe you're not like me maybe you are but I always want the full picture you know I want the prepackaged plan for every possible scenario before I make the journey but God's authority and power flow out of our obedience We get guidance as we go. We get guidance as we go. We need to remember and value the person over the plan. We need to keep our eyes on the one who goes before us rather than searching for the answers that we think we need to have. Trust me, we learn, we get guidance as we go. It's the difference between watching frogs and hail fall from the sky and trying to strike a rock for a little water by yourself. Trust me. We get guidance as we go. My name is Moses. I thought my journey was nearing an end, but that's when I found it was really just getting started. I... I experienced the clash of the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of Pharaoh. I survived the Passover. I journeyed through the wilderness, leading numbers, countless numbers of people. I received the covenant of God in the form of the law on top of His mountain. That was my journey. What about you? Do you know who you are? Do you know whose you are? Really? Do you think this morning you've lived your life? Do you sit here this morning, and do you think you're on the downside track of your life? I was 80 years old. How old are you? Or maybe you're so fixated still on the plans, your plans for your life that you're losing sight of the person, the one who's authored every step you've taken and every step you will take. Or maybe you're running from your past. Where's the fire in your desert? Oh, everyone has one. We all have a fire in in our desert. God likes fire. You know, some people think my story is special. I get that all the time. How come I couldn't get a burning bush? You know, my story is special, but it's not unique. God likes fire. The Lord spoke to Abraham through fire. The people that I led saw a pillar of fire leading them through the wilderness. God doesn't just give a burning bush to one man. Let me tell you from experience, God will light a fire under you. God will light a fire inside of you in order to call you, in order to call out his image, his impression that is within you. Where's your fire in the desert? Oh, you know it's there. You'll feel the heat. You'll feel the heat of the fire. You'll smell the smoke. It'll be a bit uncomfortable, but you won't get burned. Just refined. The old you is passing away and the new you is being called out. Where's your fire? Who's your Jethro? Sometimes, oftentimes, we don't recognize the fire for what it is without a Jethro. You may be burning up inside and not even realizing it because you don't have a Jethro. Someone else maybe on fire right in front of you and they have no idea what's going on because they need you to be a Jethro are you submitted to anyone in your life that is teaching you about God who is helping you to become more humble who has invited you into that intimate space over a table embracing you as a son or a daughter helping you learn to hear the voice of God and not only to hear it, but to do what he says. It doesn't just have to be a man. My sister Miriam, it was my mother. Who's your Jethro? Where's your fire? My name is Moses. And I am part of the Lord's covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I was drawn up out of the water for a reason. I was called out through a blazing bush that didn't burn, but sure set my life on fire. And out of my identity as a child of my father, out of the power and authority of my Lord's name given to me, an empire fell, a people were set free, a new law was given, a land of promise was delivered, and a nation was born. We all have a purpose a part to play in God's kingdom, a responsibility to represent our father and his heart for this world. Where are you being called to represent the power of your king? To whom are you being called to represent the love of the father? He asked me to do this. I leave you with these words of blessing spoken by my big brother Aaron.